Well, it is good to be here with you this morning. This is one of my favorite, I've probably said this before, this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. How can you not like this Sunday? You have an extra hour of sleep. I mean, I was getting ready this morning thinking, really, it's only 8.15? Wow. And then getting here early, just not needing coffee, drinking it anyway, but that's just part of the morning habit. But it is good to be here this morning. Probably the only Sunday better than this one is Resurrection Sunday, but we get to celebrate that every Sunday. Well, I am glad to be here this morning bringing the word to you from the book of Matthew. We are continuing to go through the Gospel of Matthew. I know it may have seemed like we've been in Matthew for quite some time, which we have, but we will eventually get through Matthew. I was talking with a brother in Christ that goes to another church in the city, and he says that the pastor there has been preaching through Acts, and he said, we've been in Acts for over a year, and I just love every week of it. So I hope that you feel the same way about Matthew. It is a great gospel. All of the gospels are good and great. But this morning, I'm going to share Matthew 13 with you, and I'm going to be sharing with you a story. When you think of a story, what do you, what words come to your mind? Maybe the words, once upon a time. You know, you think of the bedtime stories. Those four words, once upon a time, are so popular. Didn't know this till this past week, but there's even a TV show named after those words, um, on Netflix. But we're not here to talk about TV shows or kids' stories, but we are here to talk about a story, a parable from Jesus. Jesus is our teacher this morning. He is the one who will be teaching us from Matthew chapter 13. So I hope you've already turned there and are ready to dive in. If you've looked ahead, as some of you may have already done so, you might be thinking, 58 verses? I see Jack was looking ahead. And you're thinking, are we going to get through 58 verses? Well, the short answer is no, we're not. Um, But we are going to look at the first parable in as you know, Jesus teaches through with parables and to teach with a purpose in the parables. And Matthew 13, I don't know this, I didn't do any study on this, but I think Matthew 13 probably has more parables than any other chapter. Um, there are five or six parables in this chapter. Several are short, but the longest one, maybe the most popular one, is the first one, the parable of the sower. And so we're going to emphasize this parable. And I want to remind you, what Jesus is doing in teaching through parables. Look with me at verses 34 and 35 before we get into our main text. Jesus says to the crowd in parables, he says to them, nothing without a parable to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. In verse 35, he says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So he is using these parables to unveil something. Well, what is that something? Well, we're going to find out this morning as we get into um, the chapter. Jesus is quoting from Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is pointing to these parables, pointing to a prophecy that would come to pass. And Jesus is fulfilling that prophecy. And he quotes parables, or he speaks in parables, to reveal things. To reveal things that were hidden. But also... He speaks in parables in line with Scripture to blind, deafen, and harden some who hear his message. So there's a dual purpose here. He's unveiling, he's revealing things, but he's also speaking in a way which will deafen, which will harden his hearers. And so 
My prayer for us this morning is that we will be of those who hear, who hear the word, who respond to the word, and those who respond to the word, obey it. So we want to be a people who obey the words of Jesus. And when we do so, we already see the result that there will be fruit, fruit that lasts, fruit that is multiplied, not because of what we do. As Michael said, it's got to be God who's doing the work. And we will reap the harvest. We will be the ones who um, are filled with joy because of the obedience. So let's stand this morning as we look at the first parable in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these words. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, 
This is your word. Your word breathes life into our souls. So Father, just as Paul has prayed, has spoken of from Hebrews, your word is living and it is active. So Lord, we pray that it will pierce our hearts with conviction, but also with comfort. Father, comfort us with your word. Remind us that it is true. Remind us that we have hope, that we are a hopeful people this morning. If we are in Christ, we have all that we need. And so, Father, I pray that you will encourage us with your word, that you are continuing a work in those who believe. And, Father, we may not see an abundance of fruit, but, Lord, we know that you are producing fruit in us and through us. Lord, I pray for those who may not be in Christ this morning, who have heard the word, received it for a time, but then walked away. Father, I pray that you will draw them unto yourself so that they might come to you, trust you, and believe. Father, you are the King. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. So Lord, help us to submit to you. Enable us to do so. Father, I thank you that this is your church, these are your people. So we do sing and pray. Speak, O Lord, for we are listening. Speak, O Lord, for we have come to worship you. Speak, O Lord, so that we might repent of sins. Speak, O Lord, so that we might be comforted by your word. And speak, O Lord, so that we might share your word with others. Father, we ask, Lord, that you might teach us your ways. Teach us to love you and to respond in obedience. Father, we see in your word that not all who hear understand. and Not all who hear respond in faith. So, Father, I pray that we will be of those who are of faith. Lord, I pray that your word, your words of truth, will overpower hearts of unbelief. Father, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for what you are doing. Lord, we pray that you might sanctify your people, even if it's a drop at a time. Lord, we ask that you might be in us and show fruit that's that's taking place through us. Lord, lead us by your Spirit. Fill us by your Spirit. Lord, apart from your Spirit, we have nothing. So Lord, lead us so that we might exalt Christ in all things. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. This is a a common parable. If I were to ask you to raise your hand this morning, if you've heard this parable preached before, many of you would probably raise your hands. If I were to ask you if you've read this parable, all of us would probably raise our hands. We've heard this parable before. But let us not gloss over the importance of this parable Jesus uses this parable and others, the parable of the weeds, the the mustard seed, the leaven. He uses several parables, particular parables about nature to reveal his purpose, to reveal the Father's purpose. And so through nature, through common things, through fields and, and, and mustard seeds and creation, God is teaching us about God's plans, God's plans about salvation but not just about salvation, about the kingdom. The kingdom is broader than just one event. It's broader than than just believing. It's about the kingdom that has come and is coming. So let's look at this parable in two parts. We see verses 1 through 17 
the parable itself, and then my particular favorite, verses 18 through 23, the parable explained. You know, this is, you know, I love it whenever the, the disciples ask a question, because that would be me, I would have asked a question, but not every time Jesus responds with an answer. Sometimes he continues on with another parable, sometimes he uh, goes on with something else, he moves on with his ministry, but here we have a great treasure and that Jesus responds and tells us this is what the parable means. So before we get there, first the parable, Jesus goes out, he goes out from the house, remember he was with his mother and brothers, and he tells them, those who do the will of my Father in heaven are my mother and brother and sister. And so he says, this is the will of God. But he goes out from there, goes out from the house, traveling along, going about his daily business, continuing his ministry, and it says that he goes out and sits by the sea. Again, Jesus probably wanting to be by himself, but the crowds follow. Some follow out of curiosity, others follow with hearts of sincerity, and as the crowds gather, Jesus moves to a boat. You know, I assume maybe he moves to a boat so that he has a better place to speak from, to teach from, because there's this crowd that has gathered. And as the crowd gathers, here he begins with several parables. The first of which is, and I want to encourage you, we're not going to go through all these parables this morning, but I want to encourage you to go through and read these parables because they're very good and, again, they teach us more than just a moral story. They teach us about the kingdom. But here, in this parable, in verse 3, what does it say? What does the scripture say? Remember, have the scriptures open before you so you can follow along. And it says in verse 3, a sower went out to sow his seed. Or maybe your translation says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. So again, using everyday illustrations. And so the one who goes out, the farmer, is sowing seed. Right away, there's application that not just the preacher, but all believers are to be scattering, are to be sowing, are to be planting seeds. But here, the farmer goes out to do what is natural. What do farmers do? They care for their fields. They go out, they scatter seed so that they might prepare for future crops. Well, this is what the farmer does. He goes out to scatter seed. And where does the seed land? If you've ever planted, if you've ever scattered seed before and you don't have a, a expensive or fancy equipment, it's difficult to get it in one spot. It goes everywhere. Well, that's what happens here. The seed goes in lots of places. First, it falls along the path. Then it goes along the rocky places. Then among the thorns. And we see the fourth area is that seed falls on good soil. In each of these four scenarios, the seed is impacted by its surroundings. It's impacted by the thorns. It's impacted by the rocky ground. It's impacted by the birds. Well, that's what we see right away. The first one, the seed that falls along the path is carried away by the birds. The birds eat it up. The birds devour the seed. Then look with me in the second area. The, the seed falls on rocky places. It springs up quickly. You know, sometimes I've planted something thinking, oh, wow, I've actually got a green thumb, only for it to die a few days later. And so that's what happened here. It happens here. It springs, springs up quickly, but it does not last. Why? Because the soil is shallow. We see this in verse 6. The sun scorches the plants that come up from the seed. The plant withers because it has no root. Roots are vital for plants, trees, and vegetation. 
This reminds me of an illustration uh, that happened this past week. I had to go to one of your favorite places, I'm sure, um, the DMV. And I went there, of all places, on October 31st, the last day of the month. And I was thinking, I'm going to be here for two, three hours. I, lo and behold, I don't know if it's because people were preparing for parties or everybody else thought everybody would be there. There was like four people there. And so I got my number, waited like maybe five minutes, went right up to the desk like, thank you, God. And so I was there a short time, but as I was writing my check and getting things taken care of, um, I noticed this plant. It was a nice little plant there, but it, it, it had some green aspects to it, but it was withering and it was dying. And the lady behind the counter said, yeah, that's, that's not my plant. Um, it's another lady's plant. She doesn't work today. And, uh, but at one point it was nice and green, but now it's dying. And the other lady said, yeah, it needs to be repotted because the pot is too small and the roots have nowhere to grow. And so as I thought about that, I was like, well, that's exactly what's taking place here when the seed falls on rocky places. It has no room for the roots to grow. The plant needs a foundation that is deep or the seed will not keep. So the third area, the seed falls amongst the thorns. The thorns are not always bad, but these thorns, what do they do? They choke the plant and it leads to its death. Then the last scenario from our story, that the seed falls along good soil. As Jesus tells the parable, the seed falls along good soil, produces good results. We see that the seed springs up, that there is life, that it prospers, that there is a crop. And what happens? The, the crop bears a yield of 30, 60, 100 times. Any farmer would take that in a heartbeat and say, if that's what you're going to guarantee me, I will take that any day. Because a farmer doesn't know if there's going to be drought, doesn't know if there's going to be a pesticide and other animals, and so they don't know what their crop will look like. But here, there is quite a harvest. There's quite a return from the original seed. But what does Jesus want us to know here? I feel like I'm giving a, uh, a biology lesson or an agricultural lesson here. And so this is not a science experience where, where we're t- experiment where we're talking about variables testing our hypothesis and the acidity of the soil for our agricultural endeavors. No, Jesus wants us to understand how the sower and the soil relate to the kingdom of heaven. So this is what happens. The disciples come after the parable, and what do they say? Where is it at? In verse verse 10, thank you. Um, why do you speak to them in parables? The disciples come and they say, so what's this all about? Why are you speaking in parables? In other words, the disciples know that there's a purpose for the parables. There's a purpose for this story. It's not just to teach them about agriculture. And Jesus responds in verses 11 through 13, he says to you, to you, the disciples, and he contrasts the disciples versus everyone else. He says to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So in other words, some will respond and hear. Some will respond and follow, but not all do. Jesus is telling them, you have ears to hear, you have eyes to see, but they do not. 
So he's teaching them that they will produce an abundant crop. But to those who do not know the truth, they will not produce fruit. Why? Because they are not persevering. So Jesus makes a stark contrast between those who see and believe and those who are deaf and blind and do not follow. So Jesus speaks to us about the kingdom of God and he speaks on behalf of God. He is revealing secrets. He's revealing mysteries. And the kingdom is compared to seed sown on the ground. He gives us different illustrations of rocky places on the path of those that are choked out by thorns. And then he tells us, some do not receive the words of God. They reject the good news of the kingdom of God. This is the first main point. Not everyone accepts the message of Jesus. This is the main, first main point. Not everyone accepts the message of Jesus. We see that some would stiffen their necks. Some would rebel and resist the word of the Lord. We see Jesus quote Isaiah saying, This people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear. With their eyes they have closed. And so Jesus says it doesn't really matter. I mean it does, but it doesn't matter what I say. They will not see it. They will not listen to it. But... He says, that is not you. Not all resist my word. Not all resist the the ways of the Lord. Because he says in verses 16 and 17, you do see, you do hear, and you respond to the plans of God. Because Jesus says, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. To hear what you hear, and did not hear it. So he is saying, you are a blessed people. You hear the gospel of the kingdom and you respond in obedience and faith. So the disciples of Jesus' day and those gathered here today are blessed by God because we know the secrets of the kingdom. We are blessed by God because God has revealed the nature of the kingdom to those who believe. So the question we need to ask this morning is, what's the secret of the kingdom? What's the nature of the kingdom? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is telling them, look to me. Look to me. Come to me. I am the one who has come to fulfill the kingdom. I am brought the kingdom. He is the king of the kingdom. He has brought the kingdom in part and will one day complete the kingdom in the age to come. Jesus is the Messiah predicted to come. This is why he quotes Psalm 78. This is why he quotes Isaiah. This is why he quotes these Old Testament prophecies because he's saying, I am the prophet who has come to fulfill the words of the Lord. So Jesus is the secret to the kingdom. He is the righteous ruler and the redeemer who has purchased a people of the kingdom. And so we see here that not all will gain entrance into the kingdom. Not all are of the covenant of the chosen king. Some will reject, but some will follow and believe. So Jesus goes on to explain the parable of the sower as it relates to his people and the kingdom altogether. Look with me in verse 18. In verse 18, Jesus breaks it down for us. He doesn't always do so, but he compares the seed to the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom brings life. You know, this is what this past week, um, 
I was reminded of the importance of the Gideons. You know, the Gideons have one sole message. Ask Mike, ask Mike, ask any deacon, uh, Gideon here. The message is to get the word into people's hands. I have a friend in Mississippi this past week. He said, um, such and such place is passing out Bibles. If you don't have one, go get one. If you have one, encourage those who are passing them out. And so the word is crucial for life. And so the word of the kingdom brings life. That's why I must preach the word. You know, I've had numerous people here tell me, Pastor Steve, preach the word, preach nothing else. That's what Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. When does he tell him to preach the word? All the time, in season, out of season, preach the word, because through the word, we find life. And what does the evil one, what's the devil, what's Satan want to do? Remove the word. That's why he comes to devour it. Because he knows through the word we find life. Through the word Jesus is exalted. Through the word we see the kingdom. And so, I must preach the word. You must share the word. And we must grow in the word together. If I preach the traditions of men, if I preach the New York Times bestseller, we are prone to go into error. We will go off the path. And so, we must exalt Christ. If I preach the traditions of men, we will exalt men. But we must preach the Word because in the Word, Christ is central. So the Word has power. And so Jesus continues by saying, some hear the Word for a time, but it does not take root because of affliction, because of persecution, because of tribulation. Perhaps you've known somebody like this where at first they hear the word, they respond, they respond in belief, and then trials come, problems come, tribulation comes, and they fall right back to where they once were. So Jesus talks about this this uh, example in verses 20 and 21, and he says, and he continues by saying, the seed was scattered on rocky ground, and it sprouts out, the seed sprouts up for a short time, but it does not continue. Why? Because the person does not endure. The seed does not last. The person does not last. And Jesus tells this parable because it is similar to the individual who hears the word and receives it for a time, receives it with joy, but they do not endure in the faith. They fall away. I know some who have read this parable before, maybe have heard this parable preached, this is an alarming parable to some. Because they, they read this and they see, particularly the one who receives it for a moment, you see life, you see a sprout there, but then they don't endure. Then they fall away. So for some, maybe even you here this morning, this may be alarming. But it should not be surprising because we are not called to have a one-day faith that sprouts up. We are called to have persevering, enduring, lasting faith. This is not faith in yourself, faith to believe more, hard, or try harder each day. This is faith in Christ. Continuing, enduring, persevering faith. We are called to endure to the end. We are called to believe and obey. And we must be faithful even in the midst of difficult circumstances. We don't have time for this this morning, but I encourage you to look at Hebrews 2, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10. Those are those infamous, scary warning passages. I know some of you have read them, and you think, what do you do with this? But it's a call to endure. 
It's a call to persevere. So while this may be alarming, it should not be surprising. We are called to persevere. The Word reminds us we must persevere in the midst of difficulty, disaster, and discouragement. Tom Schreiner speaks of the, this example um, in his book on the um, on this uh, on Matthew. Schreiner says this. He says those who receive the word of the kingdom with joy but do not endure will not enter the kingdom. Nor will the person receive an inheritance who initially responds to the gospel of the kingdom but then allows the desire for the kingdom to be slowly squeezed out by the enticing pleasures of the world. So we must not let the enticing pleasures of the world squeeze out our desire for the kingdom. We, you and I, must endure and persevere, delighting in God instead of the fleeting passions that seek to blind us. We must not cling to the desires of the world. We must not obstinately cling to the world. What do we cling to? Christ. We must cling to Christ. Then look with me in verse 22. Verse 22, what does Jesus say? He says, For what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. This is the scariest example, in my opinion. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So we see here, that the, the desires of the world, the desires for riches, choke out the seed. And there is no fruit because individuals are seeking something else, seeking the world instead of obeying the word. Look with me in Matthew chapter 8. We see Jesus warn against this. It's not up on the screen, but Math, or Mark chapter 8, verses 35 and 36. Jesus calls the disciples, He calls you and I to die to self, to cling to the cross, to cling to Him, to cling to the gospel. Look with me in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 36. Calling the crowd to Him with His disciples, He said to Him, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Then in verse 36, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? So Mark, Matthew, Jesus are reminding us, don't go after the fleeting desires of the world. We must not be like the audience of Ezekiel's day. Ezekiel chapter 33, it says, Behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument, for they hear what you say, but they will not do it. They hear what you say, but they will not do it. J.C. Ryle says this, We may listen to a sermon and approve of every word it contains, We may listen to his sermon and approve of every word it contains and yet get no benefit from it because of the absorbing influence of this world. And remember what James says, do not merely listen to the word. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So we must not be of those who hear for a time, 
sprout for a time, and then fall away. We are called to cling to the Word of God. I love the contrast that as Jesus talks about the warning, the alarming, the alarming first three soils, but then he says to the disciples, but you hear me. You receive the seed. And that's what he says in our last verse this morning. In verse 23, he reminds them that they are the ones who are blessed because they have eyes that see and ears that hear. And when you hear the word, receive it and obey it, this is what will take place in verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, remember this is the fourth soil, this is the one, if you are in Christ this morning, this is you, you hear the word, you understand it, that doesn't mean that you know every aspect of the word, we still have questions, but you understand that means you receive it, and indeed, they bear fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So the main point, the second point I want you to see here is those who hear the gospel of the kingdom respond in faith and they produce genuine fruit. So first, not everyone accepts the message of Jesus. And number two, those who hear the gospel of the kingdom respond in faith and they bear much fruit. Well, what does fruit look like? Well, we see Paul tell the Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. The fruit that Jesus is talking about is a changed heart, a changed life. It is one who loves God and loves one another. It's one who forgives others. It's one who shows mercy to others. It's one who's hospitable to others. It's one who's been changed by God because they see the grace of God. So, while it's easy to emphasize the first three soils and be alarmed by them, which they, we should be alarmed by them, I want to end this morning emphasizing the fourth soil. I want to encourage you to see what is good, to see the fruit that is taking place in your own life. Do you hear the word? Do you respond in faith? Are you obeying the word? then enjoy what is good, persevere in what is good, and point out the fruit in the lives of others. We must remember that God is going to continue the work that He began in you. So while at times I might be discouraged, Lord, where is the fruit? Sometimes it's a longer winter, a longer fall. The ripening might not be happening as quickly as I would like. But where you see the fruit in your own life, rejoice in it. You know, I just last week, um, I saw a sin in my life and I needed to ask forgiveness to someone. And at first I was discouraged with the sin, but then I recognized, as you should, we are sinners and we do sin. And I was encouraged that I sought forgiveness a lot quicker than I probably would have in the past. And so see the fruit that is taking place in your life and in the lives of others and encourage them. And know that God is continuing a work and that He will produce a harvest as we pray and abide and seek Him. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I pray, Lord, that we will see the fruit that you are doing, that we will receive your word, your word that that has shown us the gospel of the kingdom. 
Help us to persevere in the midst of difficulty and disaster and discouragement. Let thorns and rocky ground not choke out our desire to obey you. Father, I pray that we will persevere even when the pleasures of the world are strong, even when we see others falling and going after these things. Let us not look to what they are doing and what they are not doing, but Lord, let us be concerned about us and to persevere and to endure until the end. Your word says, Blessed is the one who overcomes and endures until the end. So Father, I pray for this church. Lord, I pray for my own soul that we will not just be a hearer of the word and not just listen to the word and deceive ourselves in thinking that we can pat ourselves on the back, but Father, let us do and obey what it says. Father, I thank you in advance for what you are doing. And Lord, we know that you do all things well and according to your perfect timing. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.